We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast, Thanksgiving edition. I'm your host, Josh Nelson. We are here to help entertain you while cooking the turkey, making the sides, maybe baking some pies. Or you are like most people around the world and spending your time shopping online for Black Friday sales. On this week's episode, we'll share what we are thankful for this year. Contemplate who would be a better left-handed hitting option for the White Sox, Michael Conforto or Cody Bellinger. And you'll want to listen to the end of this show as we asked our listeners and followers what they think is the most overrated Thanksgiving food items. Boy, there are some hot takes coming from some of you. So let's get this show started. Joining me is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It's Jim Margulis. And hello, Jim. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. So where I want to start, let's start with baseball. Uh, There's a couple of news items that have trickled in this week. Uh, One, Bryce Harper is not going to have a great holiday physically. The Philadelphia Phillies announced that Bryce Harper successfully underwent Tommy John surgery. And their hope is that he's going to be able to DH for the Phillies by the all-star break, possibly playing in the outfield by the end of the regular season, which means it's very likely that Bryce Harper could miss the entire first half of 2023. That's a bad beat for Harper and the Phillies, Jim. It is. You know, I'm kind of surprised that they didn't wait until like Friday to have the surgery. You would think Thanksgiving, like, you know, he doesn't want to spend it in a you know, hospital bed or outpatient room, that sort of thing. Uh, but I guess, you know, time is of the essence when you're talking about a mid-season return. You know, if anything costs you or saves you a week, you know, in the middle of the season when the team can really need you, then I guess, you know, you, you, you get it when you get it. But yeah, I think the one saving grace of this is that uh, Universal DH is here. Like you, when you think about the Phillies uh, last year and now coming up into this coming season, it's a whole different picture if the Phillies have Bryce Harper with one arm uh, without a DH. Like, are they playing him at first base to try to spare him throws? Does he get surgery early and they never make the World Series or the postseason uh, last year? I mean, that's kind of the uh, uh, dark uh, times that they're dealing with. Uh, so I, I think, you know, while they might be saying like, yeah, it's it hurts for three months, you know, uh, and, you know, it's going to be tough. We have to figure out how to work around it. It is a case where, like, you know, when they signed him, they couldn't necessarily count on DH bailing him out to salvage the other half of the season, which could be okay. The Phillies need a corner outfielder. Maybe new old friend AJ Pollock could be a possible solution for the fighting Phils. What's amazing to me is that after watching Bryce Harper's postseason run and just the amazing moments that he provided, and he did that while hurt. He did all those things while hurt Mm -hmm. and he needed Tommy John surgery and Bryce Harper's going to most likely miss the first half of the 2023 season. So keep that in mind for those that play fantasy baseball, uh, just as far as like how early you draft Bryce Harper in your upcoming drafts. Uh, The second item, 
And, and this leads to a larger conversation. The Milwaukee Brewers traded outfielder Hunter Renfro to the Los Angeles Angels for three minor league pitchers. Two of the minor league pitchers are in AAA. They made appearances with the Angels in 2021 and in 2022. So the Brewers have added more pitching depth while they shed Renfro's salary, which was estimated to be about $11 million in 2023. That's why the Brewers made this move. And Jim, you mentioned it a couple of times on this podcast, getting to watch the Nashville Sounds there in your backyard. The Brewers have some talented outfielders that are ready to contribute in the major leagues. I didn't think of Renfro as a trade possibility for the White Sox, but this type of move, Jim, I think it's pretty clear that Milwaukee would like more pitching depth in AAA. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. But they also want to shed some of their payroll, especially when it comes to position players, because they have talented AAA position players right now. I thought it was odd when the Brewers picked up Colton Wands' club option. But now it kind of makes sense that if they were always going to be planning on trading Juan and what they really want, instead of paying him $2 million to go away, they wanted to trade him for maybe pitchers that are not very good, but they're close to the major leagues and save ownership $2 million uh, and get, they would rather prefer that exchange than just simply buying out cold Juan. What do you think of the idea of the White Sox maybe offloading some of their AAA relievers and try to pick up the tab on Colton Wan's contract to be the second baseman in 2023? It's possible. You know, we've had this conversation before when it comes to the White Sox and like likely or kind of no-brainer great fit second baseman. Like when I wanted the White Sox to trade for Cesar Hernandez and they did and turned out to not be good, but uh it made a lot of sense at the time, given his skills, and those skills just did not manifest themselves with the White Sox. So when it comes to White Sox need from a second baseman, and, and that's Wong's, you know, decent glove, it's a little erratic as of late, but, you know, I think we call it decent. And his left-handed bat that can hit right-handed pitching made sense, but, like, when you saw the off-season plans come in and everybody's saying, like, yeah, just, you know, licking their chops, waiting for the... Uh, brewers to buy out Wong. You know, the more people got excited about it, the more I could see like the White Sox or the Brewers saying like, uh, we're going to exercise the option. It's not, you know, it's a $10 million contract, but it's $8 million in terms of cost because of the $2 million buyout. We'd rather, you know, use that $2 million. Think of it as like buying another team's prospect. And like Jansen Junk, you look at his, uh, his scouting report. It strikes me a little bit like a healthy Jonathan Stever, like fringe arm, uh, Probably better starting than relieving, but can he start? Does he have enough to actually get through five innings at a time? Uh, that's kind of who that struck me as. So, it, you know, White Sox, unfortunately, do not have a healthy Jonathan Stever at this point. Like maybe Jonathan Cannon might be the closest thing to a healthy Jonathan Stever, just two levels down. But that's kind of who I'm, you know, who I'm thinking of when I saw Jansen Junk being the the main return. So it is possible. The fit makes sense. The Brewers, like it's in inefficiency on their payroll that it seems like they should be able to just turn it over rather than spending $2 million on you to pay a player to go away. They can spend that $2 million to get like a, a guy they kind of liked at one stage or another in his career that they might be able to feel like they can add a wrinkle to. And I bring up the White Sox here because of the Charlotte Nashville. They, their scouts get an opportunity to see what the White Sox have in the triple a level. And if this is all, the angels had to give up for Hunter Renfro. <laughs> then Hey, for a team that doesn't have a lot of trade assets, as we spoke about in our last episode, Jim, this could be an idea for the white Sox. Yeah. I just wish Charlotte had more pitching to showcase for the sure. uh, Nashville <laughs> scouts. Like if they're talking like, you know, Birmingham or Winston Salem, like, or, you know, I would say Canapolis probably last year. Like, yeah, they probably might see a guy or two they like, but it was pretty dire for most of the, uh, season at Charlotte. So I'm not sure that would be enough to sell them, but you know, perhaps, you know, at various points of, you know, the last two seasons or just, you know, working around the international league or scouts at lower levels to know they've, they've overlapped at, uh, you know, a ball too. I can't remember where their double a is, but in Winston Salem, they were the current line, or I should say when Kannapolis and Carolina Mudcats were in the same league, uh, the Mudcats were the Brewers affiliates. And I think now the Carolina and Winston Salem are in the same league. So they probably have had some overlap at other levels as well. It's just an idea, but if it's going to not take a lot and the benefit for the Brewers is shedding cold salary, they just want two or three lottery tickets. Again, for a team with limited trade assets, I think it's an idea the White Sox should pursue. 
Another baseball news item that caught my attention this week was out of the athletic Scott Boris talking about his client, Cody Bellinger and Boris admitted that his client, Cody Bellinger already has received a few multi-year contract offers from a number of teams. According to MLB trade rumors, they picked up rumors from the Toronto Blue Jays are hot and heavy on Cody Bellinger. The Colorado Rockies are pursuing Bellinger and the San Francisco Giants may be pursuing Bellinger as a backup plan to Aaron Judge, but that's a pretty big drop off in backup plans uh, as Aaron Judge has already flown to San Francisco and has met with team officials and they had their pitch to Aaron Judge already. So the Giants are serious contenders for Aaron Judge. What's surprising from this article is that Boris was being very transparent about his client and saying that they are not entertaining multi-year contract offers for Bellinger. So even though he's received these multi-year contract offers, they don't want it. They want a one-year contract offer for Cody Bellinger. So that way, if he bounces back and has a big 2023 season, he could test free agency and get that lucrative long-term deal. It's a risk. Mm -hmm. I get it. And this tactic could also apply to another client that Scott Boris has. And that's Michael Conforto, who missed all of 2022 because of a shoulder injury. We've spent a lot of time last last offseason talking about that possibility for the White Sox and Michael Conforto as Conforto's trying to reestablish his market. One-year deals, Jim, theoretically, should be right in line with the White Sox spending habits. So if you had to pick a best fit for the White Sox, who do you like more, Bellinger or Conforto? I think I like Bellinger just because, and I'm not even sure if this is like liking Bellinger when I say this, but it's more a matter of they're kind of similar in that they both had shoulder issues. And in Bellinger's career, he went from MVP in 2019 to now a non-tender for the Dodgers. And, and that MVP season put him on that salary trajectory to where he was too expensive. But uh we don't know what Conforto is with the shoulder injury, and he could very well be Bellinger right now or worse. Like Bellinger, at the very least, is a plus center fielder, and he's got that going for him. And I think that's one reason why Scott Boris can say only one-year deals because like, he can maximize the one-year contract. And then if it doesn't work out, he might be able to salvage a second year just by being a fourth outfielder, being my left-handed complement being like a maybe not quite gold glove guy in center, but at least somebody who can, you know, uh, still have that uh, 2019 MVP allure while being a platoon bats, being somebody who can play all three outfield positions plus first base. So he has plenty of utility, even if you're looking at a bench player, uh, should his struggles continue for a third season. Whereas Conforto, like, you know, at his best, he was a corner outfielder, could cover center, but he's a corner guy. Lost all of last year because of a shoulder injury that was very slow to reveal. So I don't know that that's a matter of his, his camp, his representation, trying to... I shouldn't say hide it, but try to see like the best case scenario for his shoulder. And it just never materialized and teams are waiting for positive reports and never came. So maybe there it's a case where like, you know, cause they talked about like he'd be available in the second half. Oh, after the draft, he can, he can sign with the team and he never did like September couldn't sign with the team. So, so like that just never happened. So I just wonder, you know, the longer his you know, lack of availability lingered you know throughout the 2022 season like is that shoulder even worse than the one bellinger suffered and if that's the case like i just don't know like it, it makes sense like conforto would be better on a team like the tigers or a team like that's trying to get its ducks in a row as a team making its way towards contending but also can afford to just have a dud for a year like i'm thinking like david Dahl was another guy that we liked talking about the offseason plan just you perpetually hurt occasionally puts it together but just never did like teams like a team like the rangers could afford to uh you know give them a shot because they weren't quite there yet and Dahl just never materialized so i think the white Sox are just too you know, and even Bellinger scares me a little bit, but his ability to cover center would have come in handy last year with Luis Robert missing time. So that's why I like him better than Conforto. But just both, I think, are kind of, you know, I would say risky just because if the White Sox are spending that money for that player and that player has been flawed slash hurt slash completely unavailable in the recent past, uh, they are really they're risking a lot if that's the main upgrade going into next season. What's interesting is steamer so i looked at the steamer projections which you can look up at fangraphs.com so steamer for cody bellinger they're not sold on him they are projected a 706 ops a 294 on base percentage slugging 412 hitting 20 home runs 
in 126 games. Not pretty. Better than what it has been, but not pretty. Mm -hmm. Steamer is still sold on Michael Conforto. Projecting a 758 OPS, a 340 on base percentage, slugging 418 with 19 home runs and 65 RBIs on 131 games. Now, what's key here is that the computer model is projecting these types of numbers for 131 games and 126 games for guys with shoulder problems. So take maybe the projections with a little grain of salt. But if you ask the computer, Steamer, it likes Michael Conforto more than Cody Bellinger. But I'm with you, Jim. Picking between these two is really tough. Bellinger is the former MVP, as you mentioned, but the last three years have been horrible. Boris, in that same article in The Athletic, is blaming that his poor performance is due to a bum right shoulder, which has caused problems with the swing. And Boris claims, obviously, that has cleared up and he should be bouncing back in 2023 in his form that he was of the MVP. We'll see. Boris is also claiming that the x-rays are clean on Michael Conforto. And if you run a physical on that shoulder that he injured last offseason, no team's going to find any problems. Again, he's claiming these things because he's their agent mm-hmm. and everything is awesome. Everything's fine. No, they, don't worry about this fender bender that the car had a couple of years ago. Everything's still good. And you shake the car, the bumper falls off. Uh, that very well could be the case with Conforto and Bellinger. And you wouldn't know until you sign them. And now you're pot committed with either of these guys. And again, the White Sox need another outfielder. And we talked about this in our previous episode. And, and again, with the one-year angle, it does fit with the White Sox spending habits, especially with what could happen after the 2023 season, Jim. Uh, I guess the question would be for White Sox fans entertaining this possibility, is it worth the risk? Or is it better to maybe actually pursue someone like Andrew Benatendi even though he may cost four years of a commitment. Yeah, I mean, Rick Hahn's one-year contract history is pretty terrible. (laughs) As bad as Cody Bellinger's 2022 season was. (laughs) It's like, you know, they they say there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract, but there is such a bad thing, or there is such a thing as 20 bad one-year contracts, which I think is something like what Rick Hahn has signed. So... Yeah, he just has shown no history of raiding the bargain bin uh, whatsoever, especially in the position player side. Like pitchers, a little bit different, but then again, like pitchers, there's a wide range of what you can hope for, you know, whether it's like Vince Velasquez was fine Mm -hmm. for what he signed for and what he provided, like wasn't a revelation, but was a low leverage guy, provide some innings, did some spot starts for $3 million, like he was a $3 million pitcher. Uh, he was like a 75. And he had his moments, yeah. had some moments, had some not moments, but it was just like, it was fine for 3 million. Like it was, it was the experience we should have expected. Uh, when it comes to position players, like for $3 million or for like 8 million or 15 million or 20, whatever Bellinger is going to sign for. It's like they, they can't really afford to have that Vince Velasquez type season with that kind of $15 million contract, which I think is what we're, you know, uh, apprehensive about because we've just seen so much time and money resources wasted like it would be another it would strike me as another Adam Eaton contract just like settling for less when I I think the only thing that would be a little bit of a comfort is that you know if that means like Oscar Colas isn't like doesn't have to be the guy in April if if Bellinger's there is like a, a cushion for Bell uh, for Colos to like barge his way in rather than have to be great in cold weather, uh, then I guess I would be more accepting of the risk of that signing, uh, just because it does buy them some time. Can Bellinger hit in cold weather? I mean, he's been a Dodger this entire time. That's yeah. another thing to think about. Conforto can. I mean, it gets cold in Queens. Uh, we saw that snow in Buffalo. Did you? So on that topic, uh, before we head to break here, did you look up the snow total where you used to live by Albany? Uh, no, just because that lake effect stuff never really translated Okay, in those numbers. Like it would be different. We get nor'easters coming from like the South, you know, like it would be a system that converged over it, but lake effect stuff usually ran out like hours West. Got it. Okay. Got it. I just, something that just came to my attention when you brought up, uh, yeah. Or when I brought got up an inch of snow, <laughs> an inch of snow. Buffalo got six feet. Albany got an inch. Uh, yeah, I yep. just bring that up because of the whole Queens and Michael Conforto hitting cold weather and, and he's done it in the past. So 
Again, I'd love to hear from you guys as far as our listeners. Who would you pick between Cody Bellinger and Michael Conforto? You can make your comments in the, the comment section below in this podcast post on SoxMachine.com or hit us up on Twitter at SoxMachine. Obviously, there's bigger fish to fry or better outfielders the White Sox could possibly sign, but we know that they need outfield help. And uh, it's worthwhile to have this conversation, especially with the recent uh, transparent angle from Scott Boris that his clients, these two outfielders, more than likely are going to be signing one-year contracts and not multi-year contracts. It'll be interesting to see on how their markets shake out. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, but coming up next, it's our thankful list and your Thanksgiving food hot takes. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Sox Machine Podcast. It's Thanksgiving, a time to watch mediocre football games because of the lack of break between games. Load up on food before we spend hours looking at Black Friday specials on our phones and start putting up Christmas stuff. Before we get to the hot takes on Thanksgiving food, I figured we could spend a moment here to share what we are thankful for this year. And Jim, I'll I'll have you start. What are you thankful for? Well, it's my first Thanksgiving with my son. I figure I should start there. It'd be a little bit weird if I didn't. Uh, coming up on one year. <laughs> uh, that's the safe pick. I'm going with the safe pick with the number one overall pick. Uh, <laughs> my son returns one in six days. So far, you know, so good. It's been a, uh, I've heard of worst, uh, worst first years when it comes to just, uh, you know, stress and fussiness and everything like that, whether it's like serious stuff like sicknesses or just, you know, pain the butt stuff like sleep patterns. Like so far, he has been a really good baby. So I'm thankful for that and uh, thankful for my wife, who's uh, you know, really uh, just owning it as a mom. <laughs> I'm doing my best as a dad, uh, but we're all getting by. So thankful for that. Well, that is a That's a great start to the thankful list. Yeah, for me. Kim, my fiance, she's crushing the wedding planning better than I imagined, Jim. She's kind of taking it over. You know how I am with events. Mm -hmm. Usually I take charge and I coordinate everything. Now she's crushing it. And I think she was a little hesitant, but yeah, she's definitely crushing it. So very thankful for her. Frankie, for being a good boy. I have to give a shout out to, to the dog. Is Kim crushing it because she likes it or crushing it because she wants to get it over with? Hmm, that's a great question for her. I think it's uh, I think it's the I want to get this all lined up so I don't have to worry about it anymore. So, yeah, some people love it. Uh, the minutia. Some people just don't really care about the minutia, which is the case in like our the, the wedding we planned. And we had to plan it in like a couple months. It was just more matter like flowers fall. <laughs> go like, like that was just the the amount of uh you know effort we put into and we had good vendors who helped us out and like uh did very well with minimal instruction but yeah i could see it being a case we're just uh getting out of the way so then you can just think about the fun stuff which is you know family and friends getting together for a good time yes and 
she has a good eye for this and she's working with the designer for her wedding outfit and it looks beautiful as the mock-ups and the fabric and she got some really expensive shoes for herself so she treated herself so i she's doing a really good job me i'm like i have no idea what i'm wearing and i'm like way behind so i'm i'm slacking here so i need to pick it up here in the upcoming months, but she's been awesome. I needed a good suit. So I got a suit like, <laughs> I was like, like here's an excuse to get like a really, you know, uh, well-tailored suit. Cause I, you know, just in the event that I need one and I haven't worn it since, uh, <laughs> it's like, I'll have one. So there you go. It works. Yeah. That's, that's probably what I'll be doing as well. Uh, next on my list, a shout out to Lawrence Holmes. Lawrence took a gamble this year with baseball coverage on his show on six, seven, the score and advocated to have time in his very popular show carved out for us to be guests, weekly guests. I know you frequently listen, Lawrence, but thank you for doing that. It helped a great deal elevating the Sox Machine brand. Also, big thanks to Dan Bernstein after their shows merged during the middle of the season to be very welcoming to us and driving great conversations about the White Sox. I, I have a lot of fun when I get an opportunity to be in studio with Dan and Lawrence uh, they're the best at what they do. Also, big shout out to the guys that help us make make us sound great at 670 The Score. Mike Rakin uh, is the executive producer. And also the same Mike Rakin who crushes on the Future Sox podcast. And uh, Ray Diaz, who made us those sweet intros, Jim, for 670 The Score. Uh, Ray's also awesome at what he does. And we are very thankful for their assistance uh, this season. Yeah, I mean, especially with the season as it presented itself, like when they switched from, you know, Lawrence's two hour show to the four hour show, I could have seen that as an excuse of like, God, talking about the White Sox is terrible. Like we can just say like, oh, it's, you know, programming changes. We'll you know, talk about it next year. We can, but no, they, they've been great. They've been very enthusiastic about talking White Sox with us, even though like everybody knows everybody who even, you know, has listened to this show once enough. It has enough of interest in this show to follow the White Sox to the extent that they do. They realize like, yeah, that was, you know, I might have checked out in, in May. You know, I might have just occasionally just, you know, kind of flipped in the score, looked at the standings. I'm like, nah, I'll keep going. So, no, I'm very thankful that they were enthusiastic, as enthusiastic as uh, about it as we were. That was on my list, but to uh, to spin it to another group uh, of fine people. I will be thankful for the 108 and their partnership with the meetup in Minnesota. That was great. Uh, really looking forward to 108 day uh, at Reggie's in January, which is sold out, right? Correct? It is sold out. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's sold out. And then looking forward to Cincinnati as well. Like it's a, it's a pleasure planning these things and executing them. Like it's, it's, you know, for as much as I like to say, they're the drunk uncles and they don't know what they're talking about. And like, Oh, they, you know, we're just a bunch of, you know, you know, just a bunch of crazy guys getting drunk. Like, no, I mean, they have, they're on top of everything when it comes to getting this, executing this stuff, um, putting together a great product that sounds casual, but you know, they really work hard at it. So, uh, I'm happy to be working with them yet again on, on a, couple of events we know about and then you know who knows as as you know schedules open up and things become easier to plan you know perhaps so yeah, there's there's more stuff down the line that we don't have planned yet absolutely also a big item our patreon supporters we released a new tier called a veterans committee this level grants supporters direct access to jim and i while also receiving additional perks and insight to how the gears turn at socks machine our Veterans Committee members that have joined at the very beginning, Ryan Boyd, Pete Hand, Trooper Galactus, Folklore, thank you guys so much for hopping on immediately to be part of the Veterans Committee. For our 10 war members, it would take me a good 15 minutes, Jim, to get through the entire list because it's ever-growing by the week, by the month. Everyone who has signed up for the Sox Machine Patreon, we're also incredibly grateful for what was a false start to 2022 because of the lockout. And then you get a mediocre season <laughs> to add mm -hmm. on to that. And now a slowish start to the off season, but the support is still there. It is still growing. It, it just, it's really impressive and it, it really makes me happy. And the support helps keep the lights on here at Sox machine and also motivates us to continue churning content daily. So thank you guys so much for your continued support. When we released the, uh, unveiled, unlocked, opened up the uh, Veterans Committee tier. Um, you know, I want to be very careful and explicit with the idea that, like, this is not, you know, uh, a case where, like, if you, you know, are supporting a $2 a month, like, you know, 
I want those people to know that like we appreciate the $2 support. We appreciate the, you know, $50 support. We appreciate every, you know, anybody who supports us because, you know, most of our stuff is free. So like, you know, if, if people just wanted to read or just couldn't for whatever reason, uh, didn't feel like it was, you know, fits within their budget, uh, just didn't want to give the White Sox money or devote any more money to the White Sox, given the product they turned out last year. Like I would get it. And, you know, I, I understand it. And, and, you know, that's, you know, it's a choice everybody has to make. And, and certainly I, I harbor no, uh, no ill will. So, you know, when it came to you know, on the veterans committee tier, just, we were lucky enough to have some people who already supported us at that level and just wanted to kind of codify it to make it clear, like, eh, may as well just give these people some benefit because, uh, they do so. But just, you know, the fact that we have this, you know, sturdy audience community that that we write for that we uh that we talk for that we invite people on to talk to that's i think you know just the the most important part of this whole thing because you know as you mentioned it keeps the lights on it also just you know when it's a season as bad as this one was it's a reason to write it's a reason to talk it's just because like oh you know we're just going to try to make sense of this for you like that's that's what keeps it from being like you know the season was miserable uh, talking about it, writing about it seldom is <laughs> occasionally. It's just because like, sometimes you're just like, I, this is a terrible. Why, uh, you know, why couldn't I have been born in Los Angeles? Like, you know, this is a case <laughs> of like, you know, just, you have these questions flash through your mind. Um, but you know, it's a case where just, you know, that, that, that fades. And then you're left with like a great community of people who just like what you know, you're fortunate to have people who, uh, like what you do. And that's the reason to want to keep doing it and want to keep getting better at it to keep providing a product that, you know, you'd want to read, uh, you know, that I would want to read. And then uh, what people seem to want to read and want to come back for. So that's why it's, you know, we keep doing this, why we keep watching the White Sox so you don't have to, but it's just, uh, it's something I don't take for granted just because, you know, it is a, you know, just with the way, audiences go with the way platforms go or watching with Twitter right now, the uncertainty there, mm -hmm. like, you know, things can disappear. So I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that, you know, we have a platform to where people are locked into the platform and, and really just, you know, uh, visit our platform and listen to our platform and, and keep coming back and we'll keep providing, you know, hopefully uh, we'll do our damnedest to keep providing reasons to come back. Hopefully the White Sox help us out just a little bit. <laughs> That's all we're asking. A little help. <laughs> <laughs> Next on my list is the entire future Sox crew with big shout outs to again, Mike Rakin, James Fox, Jeff Cohen, the man down in Charlotte, sleepy Harold and Ken Solchick. Thank you guys for adding and expanding our prospect coverage. It was a absolute blast of the first year to work with you guys. We crushed it through the MLB draft, and I look forward to what's upcoming in the 2023 season. Future Sox turns 20 years old next year. Uh, pretty exciting times for them. And uh, again, that staff continues to grow. They continue to add more people over at Future Sox. Big thank you to everyone involved at Future Sox to help with the merger and make this a very successful first year working together. And then lastly, you, our listeners. Thank you for taking the time to hear us once a week or multiple times a week or during the regular season on a daily basis. Jim and I have been doing this for nine seasons and we are still hitting new high marks in listenership. Even though the White Sox were not good this year, we had more listeners this year than them winning the American League Central in 2021. So that means there's a lot more new people who started to subscribe and listen to the show and be introduced to Sox Machine and started to read and follow our work. So for those that have joined and hopped on the bandwagon, for those that have been listening and you guys let me know all the time, I've been listening since episode 13. Thank you. We could not have make it this far without you guys. And I'll always be thankful. And uh, I can't wait to kick off the 10th season podcasting about the White Sox after the new uh, new year. I'm thankful for that too. And, and here's my gift for podcast listeners is after you're done listening to this episode and you're still looking for something to put on while you're cleaning or cooking or, you know, whatever you're doing, decorating, etc. I recommend, uh, listening to, uh, the 
second to last episode of the Effectively Wild podcast where they do a draft for the best of baseball Twitter. <laughs> I'm thankful for that episode because I laughed pretty hard. And and uh, they had a whole section about Bob Nightingale tweets. And <laughs> like, well, one thing is he's so rich, like his, his lore is so rich that like they didn't even mention the words fabulous or classy. <laughs> Which are the two words I always like anytime he says fabulous or classy in a tweet um, or a story like I just, you know, that's that's something like I've never seen anybody use the word fabulous like Bob Nightingale uses the word fabulous. Um, but there's one tweet I did not know about and I laughed. Yeah, I was, I was rocking my son to sleep and I started laughing because I did not I never saw this tweet. Most of them I'd heard of or remember, but uh, it was during the 2015 World Series Mets Royals. And it was after the, the Noah Syndergaard thing, you know, where, where, you know, he kind of threw high and tight to start the game with the brush back. And there's a little bit of chirping after the game oh, yes. and there's a little, you know, some bravado going on. And Bob Nightingale, like tweeted, I said after the game, if any of the Royals have any trouble with Syndergaard, he said, he'll be waiting for them 660 feet, six inches away. <laughs> <laughs> That's like restraining order distance. Uh, that's Leah. They said like, you know, the city field, like that's behind the Shake Shack in center field. <laughs> <laughs> They're mapped it out. It was, it was just, uh, I laughed so hard, but yeah, just there's going back to all the tweets that were funny, intentionally funny, unintentionally. It was great. So yeah, I, I suggest queuing that one up. Uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's Meg Rowley, Ben Lindbergh, and then, you know, Craig Goldstein from, uh, Baseball prospectus and then the Cespedes barbecue guys, uh, Jake and Jordan, yeah. like they, they were just taking turns, like, you know, rip, rip, you know, just kind of um, ripping on tweets, just, you know, listening them one after another. And then like one draft of one would bring up three others they remembered. And yeah, <laughs> it's a good time. So <laughs> thankful for that episode because, yeah, that's uh, I, I laughed pretty hard. That's great. 660 feet, six <laughs> inches away. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Oh, well, that was, that's our thankful list. So let's go to your guys' thankful list. We asked our Twitter followers and our Patreon supporters what you guys are thankful for. But most importantly, to spice this up, your Thanksgiving food hot takes. So we'll start with one of our Patreon supporters, Pointer Babe. And she wrote to us, I'm thankful to have watched the years of Jose Abreu and his love and appreciation of the game. To see someone hone his craft with such grace and dignity was a true gift Follow-up, anything sweet potato is disgusting, and so is pumpkin pie. hey yo, we're off to a hot start here, Jim, when it comes to the Thanksgiving food hot takes. But that's also a great thing as a White Sox fan is being able to have the opportunity to watch Jose Abreu over the years. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> one, uh, is it cold take? Or, you know, I guess what's the opposite? It'd just be like one very thoughtful, sober assessment of a player who deserves your thought and consideration, and then, yeah, just... Ripping on pumpkin pie. <laughs> Are you a pumpkin pie fan? Pennsylvania and some homemade pumpkin pie. Oh, it's okay. Like I said, I think I don't know if I have any Thanksgiving hot takes because like the food I don't like in Thanksgiving is food I don't like in general. Like green beans. I saw green bean casserole. Like not a fan of green beans. Just don't like the waxiness. I don't like that kind of overtakes any kind of taste mm -hmm. thing to me. I hated them when I was a kid. I can tolerate them now. I can be polite <laughs> when serve them and in and eat them okay. Like I, you know, I try to make sure that I get them out of the way first. <laughs> so it's not the last thing I, I taste, but just like you know, it's something I don't like look forward to, or I, I you know, if I have the, uh, op, you know, I guess opportunity or, um, you know, option of serving myself, I skip that plate. I pass it along. So, uh, that would be the one I think I least welcome, but it's also one that, yeah, just, I, I don't welcome it in any circumstance. So, uh, it's not Thanksgiving specific. So Rob Liedemann, another Patreon supporter, wrote to us. He's thankful for the run of first baseman that he's gotten to see as a White Sox fan. And again, we've talked about it over the years. It's very impressive. Frank Thomas to Paul Canerco, that one random season of Will Cordero. Uh, and then Jose Abreu and then maybe Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets. We'll see who is going to be taking the torch. Rob's hot food take with Thanksgiving stuffing is wet bread and can go away. I think there's bad stuffing and good stuffing. Like when you have good stuffing, you think like, why isn't this like a side the rest of the year? <laughs> kind of like, kind of like eggnog. Like why is it not available in January? Mm. Like, why does it disappear after December? Like when you have a, when you have good eggnog, you know, with some either brandy or whiskey in it, like I'm enjoying this right now. Why does it disappear immediately? Like, so 
Uh, but yeah, there is some bad stuffing too, where it's just like the, the minimal effort and that's really just, uh, negligible. I would say just kind of shove it aside, uh, mix it in with the turkey skin or the bones or whatnot, like whatever you can kind of hide it under. Yeah, I, I agree. Shane Spagnola on Twitter tweeted us. I'm thankful for all the white Sox podcasts that keep me busy at work every day. His hot food take real mashed potatoes. Thinks it's overrated on Thanksgiving. Hmm. I could, I could take it or leave it with mashed potatoes, mashed potatoes. It depends again, just like stuffing. There's bad mashed potatoes and there's good mashed potatoes. And when they're good, you just want to keep eating them when they're bad. You hope they're, you hope the gravy's good. Yeah. But there's a lot of butter around. <laughs> yeah. That's I think the, the key with mashed potatoes is like, I think mashed potatoes have evolved enough to where plain ones are, or just salt and pepper, or whatever, you know, you know, the, the basic seasoning is rather boring. So yeah, I mean, rosemary, mm. garlic, et cetera, you know, thyme, whatever you're putting into it. Like, you know, I think the default expectations for mashed potato has been raised to where like gravy can't be the hero. <laughs> and it depends on the gravy. Like I like white gravy more than the beef gravy, like if you have that available, then I'll eat a lot of potatoes, but I'm eating that as the trough for mm. the gravy. I mean, there's good gravy. Thanks. It's just brown and water. Sorry. I had to, once I said good gravy, I had to complete the rest of that Simpsons line. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just more a matter of just like, Oh, just as a you know, as like an ordinary gravy, like, you know, I would say like most gravy is acceptable, like especially if it's just looking to something that's like going to add like you know, make sure that the turkey isn't dry. Like it does a job like you don't have to drown it. But just if all it is is just, you know, basically serving gravy in mush form, then yeah, uh, mashed potatoes can be safely avoided. Matthew wrote to us, I'm grateful the White Sox exist as a team. I'd rather not be ungrateful. So this is the best I could do. <laughs> all things considered. And for the independent White Sox analysis from podcasts like you. Thank you, Matthew. Rolls are the most overrated waste and take some space in the plate and belly. Bread Jim hmm. is overrated. Yeah. I mean, like you have that discussion all the time, don't you? Like when you go to restaurants that have good bread and you realize like, yeah, it's good bread, but it's also like, do I want it getting in the way of ribs or you know rack of lamb or what you know whatever food that's really hard to make well at home like on short notice oh, so it. i could see like case where like yeah there i think there's a general argument for bread to be overrated but i like you know as a i i treat rolls as more of like a what's left on my plate that needs to be sopped up okay like like leftover gravy mashed potato stuff that you know you don't want to chase around with the fork that's when the uh, rolls come into play. Nice. I'm a big fan of the Hawaiian rolls. If you have the Hawaiian cane rolls, heck yeah. Regular rolls, I pass. Yeah, I mean, we. I think we just you do the normal like, Pillsbury Crescent rolls, and like, okay, yeah, they're fine. But just yeah, as a as a way to uh, you know make sure that you've gotten the most out of your the plate that you've served <laughs> yourself, I, I think it has some value. Uh, we go to Baloney on Twitter, but he's at Peter Fent. Fonseca and uh, Peter wrote to us one. I'm thankful for Dylan Cease and the second half of Aloy Jimenez. Those are good things to be thankful for, for White Sox fans as Dylan Cease finished second in the American League Cy Young voting. The hot take on Thanksgiving food. Cranberry sauce can kick rocks. Ocean spray has mind controlled most of America. An attack on ocean spray, Jim. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like that's a case where, you know, over time, my cranberry enjoyment has gone from the can to the actual homemade stuff. Like, it's kind of like blueberries to me. I didn't understand them when I was a kid. Like, they're tart. They're not that sweet. Why would you have this as a fruit? Like, you know, other fruits superior. Um, and then you get older and like the, the bitter kicks in and like whatever taste buds form that allow you to like coffee. Uh, <laughs> that, that, you know, you didn't like it when you were a kid. Um, you know, it takes over for, for stuff like cranberries, stuff like blueberries, etc. to where like, oh, now I get the homemade stuff. And yeah, the, the canned stuff is, is still sugary, but I do enjoy getting the piece with the serial number on it. Just like, I, I, yeah, I enjoy shaving that piece off for myself. I don't know why it's like the wishbone, <laughs> but with a serial number, just with a little bit of consumerism in there. I don't know. So growing up in the state of Wisconsin, the cranberry is a state fruit. So there's just cranberry stuff everywhere all the time. And I, I could, I could deal with the, 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 the canned stuff. It's fine. But if you actually take, the time and effort to do 
a cranberry sauce. I don't know what it is, but I, I just sopped that up. So if you don't like cranberries, folks, I don't know. Maybe it's just part of my DNA that I have to like cranberries because I just grew up with it. Uh, but I do look forward to the cranberry sauce if it is homemade and if it is done well. If it's the canned stuff, I, I take my I take the obligatory one slice and I, I move on. Yeah, I mean, like the, the homemade stuff, too, is great on leftover sandwiches. That's true. Like use that use that as the, uh, you know condiment which and we can get into that'd be an old south side socks argument yes. over you know whether it's a condiment or not but if you treat it like a condiment and apply it uh thusly um it, it does make sandwiches so much better yeah it's a it's a nice spread i forgot where that fit in the condiment conversation <laughs> all those years ago man that's that's a that's that's a callback that was a great day in the comment section. I mean, I'm sure. Uh, the, I'm sure if we put a, that out in the comments underneath the podcast post, Burly Man would find it. I'm sure, and, and then, he would tell us what's what. <laughs> that is true. In Laying no down the terms, law. yes. <laughs> Laying down the law. Uh, our next one comes from Andrew, and Andrew wrote to us that he's thankful that we have podcasts like you that call it as it is. Thank you, Andrew. The hot take for Thanksgiving food: ham over turkey for Thanksgiving. And Andrew, thank you for your bravery because that is correct. Ham is better than turkey in my book, Jim. I agree. Like if I had to choose one, sure. But, you know, if ham's going to be there at Christmas and or Easter, you know, should you celebrate that in a similar form, Mm -hmm. then I'm okay giving turkey a day to be the star. Okay. I mean, there's bad turkey, there's good turkey, but like in this case, like we're having a small get together, um, here at my house because yeah, we're going to be traveling with the baby for Christmas, but don't want to do that two months in a row. Cause that's a lot of stuff to bring for, uh, somebody who is so small. Uh, but in this case, we're going to our local barbecue place. They're doing smoked turkey breast. We're getting like four pounds of it. And Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then like, that's great. Like I'll have that for three or four days straight in different forms. So you know, that, that's, you know, I, I'm fine with Turkey being, you know, the star. I recommend it. Like in that case, like if you, if you're like, it's like boring dry old bird. And I know that like there are different ways to do it. I've never cooked a Turkey myself, so I'm not going to lecture people on how to do a Turkey better. Cause I have no firsthand experience, but that's the way I go about like enjoying it versus just like having something you do because of tradition. The smoked Turkey breast sounds awesome. The one Turkey that I've always curious about if it's any good is the, <laughs> this is sad. The Popeye's Cajun turkey, because they advertise and they sell it, mm. and I, I like Popeye's. I'm just wondering if, if that's any good, if anyone's ever had the Cajun turkey from Popeye's. Yeah, I remember, like, this is a side note, but since we're late in the show, uh, the, the, the the true listeners have dropped off, but in, when, in Albany, uh, there was a bakery slash deli I'd go to, a lot of good Italian delis and bakeries there, but it was across the street from a strip club. And I remember going there every like holiday season and they'd, you know, I'd be sitting waiting for my sandwich. I look across the street and they'd be advertising a Thanksgiving buffet at the strip club. And I just wondered like, what if it was really good? (laughs) 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 What if that was like the best turkey ever had? Like you just like, who cares? Like you just, you're just like throwing dollar over your shoulder and just like back to the <laughs> stage, just like loading up your plate again and again. Just like you shouldn't advertise Thanksgiving. I think if you're a strip club, because you don't want to remind people that they're at a strip club on Thanksgiving, you would think it did, you would think this, the, the ploy would be to treat it like any other day, but they were advertising it front and center Thanksgiving buffet. And I just wonder if they were proud of it. Like we really do it well here. Give it a shot. I'm not here for the girls. I'm here for the buffet. Now that's cranberry sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, next is uh, Pete Hand. Aloha, Mr. Hand on Twitter. And uh, thankful for for the From the 108 and all of his season ticket seat neighbors. Most overrated. Also pick cranberries. Our friend Cherizi from the 108. He's thankful in advance for the White Sox opening the gate to the Craft Cave next season. So this is a big drama that you are missing, Jim, by not being in Chicago and attending the game. So it's Section 108. We're right next to Section 107 which is the Miller Lite mm-hmm. landing area, used to be the Goose Island. Below that is the Craft Cave. So if, you want, if you're if you at the game and you want to go to the Craft Cave during the game, you have to go down the row of the Section 107 to get to the Craft Cave. So many people, it happens every single game, accidentally go down the Section of 108 because there's a gate that connects 107 and 108 towards the field. Hmm. But the gate is always locked. 
And every game, someone tries to shake it open and wonder why is this gate closed? And they have to go all the way back up to the concourse, go to 107 and head down the seats, uh, down the stairs to get to the craft cave. It happened every single game. So this is what Cherizi's talking about. He's thankful in advance. They're going to open that gate to the craft cave and make it a lot easier for us in section 108 to get to the craft cave next season to get better beer. His uh, hot take when it comes to Thanksgiving food, corn. It's just based on the table. And this is coming from someone who is a, in a corn and smash mouth cover <laughs> band. Uh, I, th- I believe in Thanksgiving, we call it maize. Do we not? <laughs> but yeah, no, it's corn was not a big feature. Uh, on our Thanksgivings, like broccoli was the, I guess the third party vegetable, like the, I guess the variable hmm. and liked it well enough. I think Brussels sprouts are kind of in that group as well. Like that kind of going in and out. Um, but yeah, corn was ever a feature. So I can't say it's overrated or under, you know, or like just, you know, a disaster or whatever, just because, yeah, I wouldn't really look forward to it. I'd probably have some, but yeah, it's not, a, not a, not a difference maker to me. Matt Crawford tweeted us that he's thankful for Yoan Makata. So we got one Yoan Makata supporter. Uh, sweet potato casserole mm. <laughs> is disgusting, according to Matt. It gets weird. The marshmallows and the toasting, there's there's too much going on there. Like, I love sweet potatoes, but sweet potato casserole, it, it's it's too much. It crosses a line, Jim. Well, is that Yoan Makata uh, thankfulness earnest? <laughs> <laughs> This one, like, did that, uh, was that, was the spirit of this post, uh, uh, was this, uh, miscarried, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, are they, are they ruining this very nice vibe we have going on, uh, with dropping that? Um, but yeah, no, sweet, like, well, with sweet potatoes, like, yeah, I'm not a big fan, but like, I'm, sweet potatoes, I can take or leave. You know, I'll have a couple, like, I, like, it's another food I can eat enough mm-hmm. to be polite. But, uh, but yeah, so I don't know if my, my, my dislike of the sweet potato casserole is because of that or because of the marshmallow. But yeah, the marshmallow did not help. No. I think, like, another case where a couple bites try to win me over and, like, uh, nah. So we got more hot takes when it comes to Thanksgiving food. Mailman Jack, green bean casserole. I mean, I'll eat it, but if I never had to have it again for the rest of my life, I wouldn't miss it. And uh, a lot of green bean casserole hot takes here. Our friend Janice Scurio also picked green bean casserole as the most overrated. Uh, The best part of the green bean casserole for other users is the fried onions. Uh, I, I enjoy that. Yeah, I, I don't like green bean casserole. It it looks weird. Well, like, yeah, and, and for our Christmas Eve, uh, my aunt is Japanese, and she, so she makes Japanese. But we have half Japanese, half Polish, is the spread. And uh, so she makes uh, you know tempura, uh, shrimp, and vegetables. So we have fried onions on the table for that, and that is delicious. That yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> if you ever have open invites, let me know. We'll do. Uh, our our friend uh, Father Zoe. Matt Zawaski from Pinwheels and Ivy Podcast. Thankful that he has so much love for this team, even though it could drive him crazy and also make him so damn happy at the same time. His hot take, anything pumpkin belongs to the trash next to the coleslaw. This has layers to it. I agree with him on the pumpkin. I'm not a big pumpkin guy. I love coleslaw. Hmm. So him to slander coleslaw like this is, uh, is getting under my skin a little bit here, Jim. I think there's good and bad coleslaw. Depends on like what's car- like how much vinegar. I think is kind of determines how much I'm going to like mm. it. A um, little bit, but not drowning in it. Uh, so yeah, I've had some coleslaw. I have a bite and go nah. <laughs> so I, I get that there. Um, pumpkin like I like a little bit. I, I like a slice of pumpkin pie. I like you know pumpkin muffins and such. Pumpkin beer, no thank you. Like that's a, that's mm. a, that's a pass for me. Like just. You know, for a flight, not bad, like in a, in a flight type glass, but probably by the end of that, I'd be ready to go. And like, remember one time, you know, just getting a pint and that was the longest pint I think I've ever, <laughs> especially I think with Southern Tier, which are kind of strong with their flavors to begin with. And yeah, that was same thing with like, you know, Christmas spiced ales and such. Like if it's a brewery that's not known for subtlety, it's really hard to get through that bottle or that pint. I'm with you. I'm not a big fan of the Christmas ales. When I was in New Orleans, I had a sour Christmas ale. And that was really interesting. It was like a sour beer with cinnamon. Huh. And it was okay, but I, I'm not a big Christmas ale kind of guy. Yeah. It's stout and porter season. So I, I'll i drink a lot of stouts and porters all day long, but I'm with you. I'm not crazy about the pumpkin beer. 
a place that has terrible coleslaw, mm. guarantee rate field. The barbecue section in center field, do not get the coleslaw. It's pink. <laughs> I don't know why it's pink, but it's pink coleslaw and it's terrible. It's terrible. Everything else there is great in the barbecue section. The coleslaw is terrible. Yeah, I'm trying to think what would make it pink. I, no idea, but it's pink. Hmm. It's just terrible. Yeah, that's kind of like the color of like food poisoning. <laughs> like undercooked or <laughs> something like, you know, kind of uh, running over. Another good thankful uh, White Sox centric comes from Sockside Pride. And uh, their thankful was the White Sox seemingly conducted a thorough managerial search and actually seemed to be trying to function like a real Major League Baseball team, even just a little bit. That is a good thankful for this year. Mm -hmm. And then uh, finally, we'll end it with uh, (laughs) this is in tandem here. The first part is our friend Beeflo from the 108. He's thankful for getting to watch Jose Abreu play all these years. His hot take is all casseroles are overrated by nature, even more so when they are sitting next to delicious, juicy turkey. And the second part is from Matt Ramsey. And uh, Matt Ramsey is the one that sells 50-50 raffle tickets at White Sox games in our section. And I buy from him all the time, and I never even come close to winning. And we all think that he's actually set up a scam where when he slides our cards, it's just a square payment direct to his PayPal. <laughs> it's a genius idea for someone to do it, but no one's came close to winning. Uh, he's thankful for that. The checks still come through and thanks everyone <laughs> for their continued support of white Sox charities. And the, and his hot take is no one on social media gives a damn about your Turkey prep sides are better anyway. So this is a great way to end it, Jim. What do you prefer or what makes your Thanksgiving day meal the turkey or the sides? I think it's the whole thing to me, like, because I like the leftover turkey. Like the big part of the turkey is having sandwiches the next couple days after. So I think that'd be disappointing if it were sides and like the turkey was an afterthought or like barely there or what have you. So that's that's why I enjoy most about Thanksgiving is just like, oh, there are different ways to mix up plates here and there. And, and and repurpose them for meals that don't get tiresome uh, for at least like through the weekend. So fan of that. So I would say no, but yeah, I think the sides are um, why it's not worth complaining about the turkey because you can you can have like a couple pieces of turkey and then get full on sides. So that's why I think like, you know, when people complain about turkey, you're like, yeah, I'd rather have mm-hmm. uh, chicken or, you know, ham or just like, well, you know, just get rid of turkey altogether. Like, yeah, you know, you can make your own plate as good as you want to make. So I, I take this lack of initiative on uh, behalf of the complainer <laughs> to me. So <laughs> suck it up and, and uh, find the good sides and just go to town. That's what it's all about. Yeah, there you go. Great advice for all of those that listen to this episode on Thanksgiving Day morning. We all hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving and also fun whatever you buy this weekend in Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Yeah, I will say, like, when it comes to things we're thankful for, White Sox edition, um, one I'm surprised was not mentioned was Johnny Cueto. Like, in terms of coming to mind, like, imagine, oh, yeah. like, how much harder the season would have been to watch if he weren't there throwing six innings, a uh, quality start basically every time out for the amount of money he made. Like, he made as much money as Vince Velasquez did, or the White Sox paid him as much as they paid Vince Velasquez. And two different experiences, one barely adequate, one almost, you know, might have gotten some Cy Young votes <laughs> or like maybe like uh, the most down ballot of Cy Young support until like a couple ordinary starts at the end kind of knocked him away from being like elite in terms of run prevention. But yeah, I would put him on my list. Also, thankful for you, big guy. Got to end on that note. Thank you. Always a pleasure. <laughs> It is a pleasure. I was waiting until we wrapped up season nine, kicked off season 10. So you could, you could wait a couple of weeks. We're not that nope, far away. I've used it up. You'll get no, <laughs> uh, no gratitude from me uh, until uh, 365 <laughs> days. Uh, and then it, it, it renews. All right. That's good to know. I'll put that in the Google calendar. The time that Jim gives me a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> But we all hope that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Don't kill your family members over (laughs) pointless arguments at the table. Uh, Enjoy the football. Enjoy the shopping. And thank you for listening to this episode. Jim and I will be back on Monday with a new episode. Hopefully we get some MOB news. Hopefully we get some action from the White Sox. 
uh, this offseason. They have made signings and splashes in this week in the past. Yes, Money Grandal, Kendall Graveman last year. So the White Sox have been active during Thanksgiving. We'll see if they pull off a move to give us something to talk about on Monday. But have a fantastic weekend, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. If you just discovered this show, you can subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Apple and Spotify. You can follow us on Twitter, as long as Twitter still exists, at Sox Machine. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sox Machine underscore Josh. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel as well at youtube.com slash Machine. If you enjoy your work and you want more, you can sign up to become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash SoxMachine, where you get exclusive content, ad-free versions of both the podcast and website. And when we have new Sox Machine swag, you'll be the first ones to receive it. Monthly plans start at $2, or you can save with an annual subscription. Again, you can sign up at patreon.com slash SoxMachine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, your own for all things Chicago White Sox baseball, and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening.